two, one, go. Welcome back, everybody, to the Triad of the Force podcast, a podcast from three Puerto Rican friends coming together to do deep dives into Star Wars and other nerd-related media. So this is basically a bonus episode. <laughs> all you guys that <laughs> listen to us regularly know that we had Alden Diaz come and talk to us recently, and there was so much we wanted to talk about that most of it didn't get talked about. So Alden is gracious enough to join us again. So welcome back, Alden. Happy holidays. Hey, it, it's not me being gracious. It's you three being gracious <laughs> to have me back after I... Yes, because we, we've been so booked with guests. We have to, you know, <laughs> we, have to, we, have to, we have to blow off uh, Mark Hamill. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. And, t- and Tim Morrison for you, so... You know, you, you told Dave Filoni, look, you'll wait your turn, cowboy. You will- <laughs> <laughs> All right, you slam that phone down. Exactly. But no, you you so so kind to have have me back. I couldn't stay away. Uh, we had a whole plan uh, for the last one, and then we yeah. just blew an, over an hour on announcements and stuff. So I know. I'm glad that we're able to to reconvene. Yeah. I mean, those were announcements. I mean, we knew that announcements were coming, but we weren't expecting like the yeah. scope. Oh, of all yeah. those announcements. So yeah. like, uh, it needed it to was be still addressed. A great conver- yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it had to. And I have a sneaking suspicion that we might not even get to like our main topic today. Yes, we which, will. <laughs> which might might still be a good thing though. Like at this point, I think it's better sometimes to not reach the main topic, because then you have a more organic conversation. Isn't that what Mando season two thought us? We don't have to actually get to the end. We just have to enjoy the journey. Yes, true, true, and we will. Yeah. Discuss this. <laughs> there are no filler episodes. <laughs> Exactly. That is very true. That is very, that is very true. true. But uh, yes, happy uh, happy holidays and Merry Christmas to everybody. I don't know when people will be hearing this, so just in case, Happy New Year. Hopefully 2021 will treat us a little more kind than uh, 2020 has so far. Uh, but before kicking anything off on the Star Wars front, we have to discuss the holiday gift that was the, the trifecta of releases that we got with the Mandalorian Gallery episode, uh, Pixar's Soul, and Wonder Woman 1984, which finally HBO Max upgraded their streaming service to finally have Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos. Mm -hmm. We can watch it in the best quality possible since we cannot be in movie theaters. I don't know about you guys, but I had a fantastic Christmas day with my family watching all those those three... uh, movies i don't know what if you guys had any initial thoughts on any of them in any order <laughs> in any order who wants to start i i, I will volunteer and say that as a tribute as a as tribute, tribute. Uh-huh. and as a complete cop-out my family did not enjoy watching any of those movies we didn't Nine? saw any of them no no we haven't oh, seen any oh, okay, okay 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 <laughs> i thought you so, meant they so, didn't like any of them no, no, no. Let me rephrase that. We haven't watched any of the movies, so we, I will back out from this. Conversation <laughs> entirely. <laughs> Honesty is the best policy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you oh, could yeah, have yeah. given just like a, a fake review without seeing it, like people do no. on Tomatoes. You know, you know, Mo, Mo had done that with uh, the Life. <laughs> we had our episode <laughs> of the holiday special, and we were discussing it and going through it. And after the end of the episode, we were all like, oh, man, that was fantastic. Yeah. And then, like, after it, Mo comes clean, and they tell us, oh, I actually haven't 
seen it yet. I didn't watch it. I started watching it before recording, yeah. but I couldn't finish, so I had to read the Wikipedia thing. So I just was winging it. You swung it. And we're like, dude, you faked that really well. I mean, yes. you had insights right. and everything. But we love them for it. We love them for that. Yep. Oh, yep. Wow. yep. We love this journey. <laughs> exactly. The journey takes us anywhere. It's crazy. Um, so anyway, I actually, I went to my mom's house. It was like five people. So we still open presents and everything with my mom. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, I was like really looking forward to coming home the 25th and watching Wonder Woman. And kind of halfway through it, me and my husband were like, El Josbando, sorry. Um, I'm bored. I'm sleepy. I, I don't know if, if I'm just in a bad mood, but there, I, maybe I'm judging it too harshly. Let's go to sleep, reevaluate tomorrow. So we kind of quit halfway, went to bed. Mm-hmm came back in the morning, started again. And we're like, I think we were being too harsh. Like that midsection started getting a little bit better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then it started getting worse again. It's like, mm. yeah, I don't know where they're going with this. So I, I had mixed feelings. Like there were some things that were really good in there, but as a whole, I don't mm-hmm, think the mm-hmm. movie worked. So, I mean, that was my take anyway. What do you think, Alden? Yeah, um, I'm inclined to agree. And it's it's interesting that you talk about taking that break Mm -hmm. because one thing that the move it's not that's not the movie's fault is the fact that i'm in my living room Mm -hmm. and and that changes everything i'm not sure that being in a theater would save this one because i think it's script problems but i do think Mm -hmm. that if my focus was commanded by the darkness by not having my phone on by all of that that i would have maybe engaged a bit more because some of the scenes i was just like Oh, uh, you know, I'll check Instagram while the scene's happening. Like, and I really yeah, shouldn't. Yeah, this is. I really shouldn't. Yeah, I know. And yeah, and it, it started. That's so that started to really like what be, what was a two and a half hour movie, which too long. It was too long. Should not be. Yeah. Uh, two and a half hour film ended up being probably like three fifteen by the mm-hmm. time you know I finished it because I was like, oh, I'll just go grab some. Yeah. Go grab yep. a drink. <laughs> you know, pause, come back, and I shouldn't do that. I should have treated it like a theatrical blockbuster was supposed to be, but it just yeah. I mean, there's stuff in there that works. There's moments in there where you're like, oh, I see what the movie's doing. Yeah. But then exactly. yeah. there's so many moments where I'm like, like this is just, oh, it's it's both overwritten and yeah, underwritten. Underwritten at the same, at the same time. time. Mm-hmm. At yep. the same time. Like mm-hmm. there's stuff where I'm like, inside of the Maxwell Lord character is something really, really smart and cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then there's all of this overwritten stuff with yeah. the, the oil climate of the 80s and things yep. like that. Like, that stuff irrelevant it could have just been a generic politician or businessman yeah you know the the cheetah plot you don't really need in there yeah you can and you can't you need to commit to cheetah or maxwell i feel like yeah Mm -hmm. in some way it's a it's a wonky wonky movie yeah i mean it's interesting that you mentioned the runtime because that was exactly my feelings with it because obviously i came into the movie very excited because i loved uh, the, the first, first Wonder Woman, fantastic. yeah, and the, tra- and the trailers for Wonder Woman 1984 were fantastic, were and the poster was yep. great, and yeah, yeah. the mm-hmm. music and the colors mm-hmm. and everything it was so vibrant and joyful mm-hmm. that I was like really looking forward to it. But those one, those are one of the things that really struck me about the movie, which is it just felt long, and it's not like the Godfather Part Two, which is an extremely long movie, right. but you you know, but you don't really feel it like this movie just dragged, dragged a lot and like i think 
movies are falling into that trap lately that they feel that being longer means that they're better. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if there's something that Mandalorian has definitely taught me is that you can be short and concise mm-hmm. and still talk about a lot of different topics in a oh, short yeah. amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Wonder Woman, I mean, the music was fantastic. I mean, the score from Hans yeah. Zimmer was like... Yeah, yeah. music was solid. And again, mm-hmm. like I think I said it on Twitter, the departments, like you're saying, music, costume, production design, yeah. background performers, mm-hmm. um, visual effects, except for maybe some of the Themyscira stuff. Some... CGI um, yeah. was a little yeah. Yeah. but at, for the most part mm-hmm. I I thought that and, and Gal Gadot is just she's a star like she's just oh, yeah. Like, yeah she's she could she sold me on lines that as written <laughs> are terrible <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. but <laughs> but it's yeah, like I but think, it's Gal Gadot saying them so yay yeah like yeah. I want mm-hmm. her yes. to be and we'll get into this a little bit in, in, in a minute I want her as a as a pilot of some kind in, oh, in... Rogue Squadron, like wow. paint her up, paint her up as like a Mary Allen, like with some green mm-hmm. and some some diamonds or, yep. or do something. Um, I would yeah. be okay with that. I would yeah, be okay something with like that. <laughs> but she, yeah. uh, she's great. But it's just it doesn't have the oomph. Like there's no, I don't know where the heart is. Like first one, you know that the heart is no man's land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she emerges and she's taking the whole brunt of everything. Like. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, and you have that 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 score coming in, and her yeah. just walking alone, and then the scene that replaces this one is like that Indiana Jones kind of tank chasing scene. That yeah, and there's nothing as work. there's nothing gripping about cars. No, you know, Hitting running away with oil and like yeah. a tank, and the weirdo Steve thing, which is a huge conversation, and just yeah. the um, yeah. My, my, so I guess what my ultimate takeaway is that. This is the first movie where I think that the best part is the mid credit scene. Oh, yes. Where that happened. Was, I have to watch it again because I'm like, wait, did that just happen? I called my mom and because yeah. I just because she doesn't care to watch it, but I was mm-hmm. she needs to know that. And she was like, No, I really like it's that's such a classy, classy thing to do. Yep. Um, without spoiling it, it you should everybody should see it. Yeah. But it's uh it was fantastic. It was yeah. very well. The yeah. golden armor. It was just a lot of promises that like didn't mm-hmm. really come through. So you get yeah. the golden armor and then it's not it doesn't really matter. Yeah, and then uh, it kind of breaks apart. Yeah. You actually <laughs> yeah. use it. The so, fact like, that the story the, the story it? establishes yeah. that the golden armor was able to protect against the entire world of men. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then suddenly and, and then it just breaks apart. Feathers are falling off of it immediately. <laughs> <It's> like, like, <laughs> exactly. But it's it's one of those things that yeah. like yeah. like uh, you guys were mentioning. It's like it's set up. And, and paper kind of should work, but then the execution falls short because, I mean, you develop yeah. you develop all these plot points with, especially with Sheeta and uh, Chris Pine. I always Trevor, I think was his yeah, Steve character. Trevor. Steve, thank you. And then Maxwell, but like none of it makes that emotional uh, impact yeah. that it should be mm-hmm. doing, especially for a sequel like this, because yeah. the. Because for me, it should have been framed more or less like Spider-Man 2 was in a way when like uh, uh, Peter's losing his powers and he's kind of happy about it and there's consequences that he has he realizes right. to him not having yeah. those powers. But right. I mean, Diana is losing her powers while uh, St- uh, Trevor's still around, but it doesn't really stop her from doing anything. She's just getting weaker, but she's still able to succeed. True. With everything, yeah. So she's not really yeah. facing any consequence uh, with it. So like it kind of also weakens the end for me in a way because when she's doing that appeal for people to return their powers, mm-hmm. she already did it. So I don't know. It was yeah. Like the framing of all those yeah. things 
kind yeah. of fell short. I also and, think that, like, to your point, the beginning, I mean, I guess light spoilers for the beginning. Uh, it starts with a flashback, and it's mm-hmm. little Diana doing the Themyscira Amazon, like, trials, I guess, the, the Olympics, basically. And, or actually more like American Ninja Warrior. And they're, <laughs> they're, they're doing this, they're doing this obstacle course. Yeah. yeah. And throughout, you could see that, like, little Diana, because she's not grown or in large mm-hmm. and super strong like these other women, she is using her size yeah. and she's using the fact that she's tiny and she's running yeah. and she's fitting through things and sliding under things. Mm. And I thought that the movie was trying to set up a journey, yeah. which was use who you are. Like it's mm-hmm. not the powers and all that, which could have connected to what you're saying. But then the movie became about mm. lying and cheating and cutting corners. Yeah, And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, cool. But you're not developing Maxwell. And then you get yeah. Maxwell's whole backstory. Again, light spoilers. Randomly. At the end of the movie. Yeah. It's yeah. Like right at the end. This they one flashback it there. It's like, and, what? And you realize that he's like this immigrant upstart and all mm-hmm. these things. And he was bullied for not speaking English and all this stuff that could have connected him and Diana as being yeah. like outsiders mm-hmm. in America. And mm-hmm. and they don't do anything with that. Yeah. Like, it's like you were saying, they developed the oil tycoon thing. Instead yeah. of developing him as a person, his so he father can be sympathetic since the beginning. Yeah, everything. Like you think that he's a bad dad for no reason. Like yeah. he forgets that he has You don't see his motivations his or yeah. anything. <laughs> yeah. You don't get his yeah. motivations at all at the beginning. It's like, do you just want power? But then you're saying to your son that you want your son to see that you're great. But yeah. so there's a disconnect there. And at the very end, it's like, oh, that that's why I they- would have felt better knowing that. But that's the thing because then Maxwell and and Sheeta, like Kristen Wiig's character, mm-hmm. I forgot her actual name, sorry, uh, are the you know the dualities of yeah. the interior dualities of Diana, right? The, the outward exterior and Sheeta in Wonder Woman, and then the outsider person, immigrant from Maxwell in Diana. So those those are the two parts of her that she's kind of like battling in right. this movie. But in neither one of them those characteristics were developed in a way it's not fleshed out can, yeah. that yeah. diana can empathize with both because i feel like they were doing that in a way with cheetah but then they kind of lost it because they're trying to they do batman returns you know yeah. they're trying to do like like batman returns it's the penguin is the other son of gotham who was mm-hmm. discarded by his parents mm-hmm. instead of him losing instead of him losing his parents the parents got yeah. rid of him mm-hmm. the inverse of bruce in that way and then obviously catwoman is the inverse mm-hmm. of bruce in the, in the costumed way and I like when they do uh, these trinities, these triads, mm-hmm. if you will, uh, of characters. <laughs> <laughs> Last Jedi was all about the triads. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. it's Luke, Kylo, Ray, yeah. Holdo, mm-hmm. Leia, Poe. You know, Finn, Rose, mm-hmm. DJ. He did that for a reason. Mm-hmm. And this one's just. It, I described this movie as it's not unwatchable. It does have fun parts, but it's yeah. basically throwing down train track while the train is coming. Which is yeah. the opposite of Soul for me, because Soul, I watched it the uh, same day, and like I Soul was, was great. blown away. It was uh, such a masterpiece. It's for so me. good. Yeah. From the story, which obviously was, I mean, it's Pixar. I expected there was going to be a moment where I was going to be, you know, up, pulled my heartstrings right there. But yeah. mm-hmm. the character designs, the it was such art, an artful movie, more so than any of the other Pixar films that I've seen uh, so far, because I'm going to admit that I have not seen the car films. Sorry, I'm not going to watch them. Uh, That's not where I would go for art. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, Soul, I mean, what did you guys think? I thought it was beautiful. That um, 
I think Pixar's always had issues with uh, animating humans. And this time they nailed it. Like they got humans down. And then combining that with how they made the souls look was great. And then combining that with the whatever interstellar beings there were yes. that were just yeah. like Cubist Picasso things. Oh, yeah. They were fantastic. And how they flowed and, and yeah. worked oh. with their surroundings was done so well. I mean, as we were watching, it's like they did interstellar even better. <laughs> as you know, you go through the dimensions. And I thought it I thought it was great. And then obviously there's always it's set in the same universe as Interstellar, clearly. Yeah. It's part of the Christopher Nolan. Yeah. 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 I but tell you. It was and then obviously, you know, with the background of jazz and Yeah. Mm. All of that was just so beautiful. I agree with everything that's been said. I love the I mean, there's always that joke about Pixar of like, what if toys had feelings? What yes. if monsters yeah. had feelings? Mm-hmm. What, what if feelings, feelings had feelings? <laughs> yeah, and now it's, what if souls? And then their next one is uh, that movie. I think it's going to be called Luca. And somebody was uh-huh. like, what if Italians had feelings? Because <laughs> <laughs> like, everyone knows Italians don't have feelings. Yeah. And even, even Coco, what if Mexicans had feelings? <laughs> fatal. Uh, <laughs> but, fatal, fatal. Yeah, it was, it was this yeah. one is just so touching. I mean, movies that are about creativity and purpose Mm -hmm. i think especially given the year that we've had and how unmotivated you can feel sometimes Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. devastate me like it just it hit me in all the right places i can't i cannot imagine watching like this up wally and inside out like in the same like that's how you destroy a man that's how you inside out uh i'll just be crying Constantly. I remember. Yeah. I, I remember. I, I went. Um, I don't know if it was like a first. I had started dating this uh, this one girl once, and it was like around the time Inside Out came out, mm. and she was like, "Oh, let's go to the movies." And I'm like, "Oh, well, the new Pixar films out. Let's go watch Inside Out." And we we're watching. It was the Bing Bong scene. <laughs> uh, you know, oh man, when he lets go of her and like, yeah. uh, you know, it's, uh, starting to know this person, and I'm like, you know, my breasts just start I'm not crying. up. And I'm, I'm not like, crying. oh, gotta gotta keep it together, buddy. Gotta keep it together. Yeah. You can't, oh you can't. man. That's you're not so ready good. to. You're not ready to let her see that side of you yet. That, yeah, that, that, that was the perfect Tough. time to just let go. Uh, with Bing Bong, uh, I didn't. But, but, but uh, it was. Uh, I mean, clearly, I was right too because she ain't around no more. So there you go. <laughs> she didn't cry with Bing Bong, man. And that's when you knew. That's when you knew she wasn't the one. Except <laughs> she didn't. Actually, she didn't. She did. You're absolutely right. I don't even remember who she was. Now I gotta go through the memory banks to see. Anyway, I, I, I'm pretty sure Up <laughs> makes me cry the most. Oh, those okay. first, up, up, those first up, up, up past minutes. the record, oh. it's like in seven minutes, it will make you cry. Yeah, just uh, at yeah, the beginning. It's, it's like, yes, why yes. am I sobbing so hard? This movie just started. It's like, yeah. like so, ugly crying, like ugly crying. It's yeah. so emotionally like oh, breaking. Yep. And I think that Up and Wally are sort of like Wally. the inverse where Up is you know, it uses the music and the whole montage at the beginning to like really go for like, like, like Mo was saying the record time of, of destroying <laughs> somebody. But then <laughs> Wally is so, so, so stretched at how it does it. We're like, yeah. just the, the guts on them to do a half hour of I silence yeah. at the beginning <laughs> yeah, in a children's and so movie. Well done. And it's so well it's done. Crazy. And you are in love. I, 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 with I'm these getting goosebumps thinking yeah. about it. Like, yeah. Like, you are completely entrapped it. by it from the beginning. And there's yeah. no word spoken at all. Yeah. It's and nuts. It, mm. 
Pixar, like they used to be untouchable. Ever since then, they've had a couple, a couple misfire, good dinosaur cars. cars I haven't seen that. And two and Lanes. three. Yeah, that weird that planes, planes thing. Planes is like a spinoff, of course. It was a kind of a spinoff, yeah. kind of. Yeah, it was like kind of Pixar, but kind of Disney Studios, yeah. Disney Toon Studios. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was just uh it felt weird for a little bit there, you know, finding Dory. But then they. Yeah, we didn't know if they were going to come back full force, but. They just completely. I mean, between this and Coco, and uh, Oof, and I thought oh, onward, onward made me onward cry. Onward was at the great. End. Yeah. Onward's good. I I I, yeah. I did. I mean, I didn't love it as much as obviously Soul, right? And Inside Out, but but it had it had its good good moments. Yeah. yeah. But it was good because it's there's so, there's so much nerd in Onward. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's, it's such it's a nerd. Fantastic. Movie. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's the, the, the then, worst yeah. the worst of the Chris's, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> But sometimes, right, you get, no, sometimes you get a good Chris, like Some, Chris Pine, and, and it doesn't. And like, a bat. <laughs> it's, exactly. Sometimes it's Chris, it's in, the Chris Spanker. inversely inversely proportional. Oh, yeah, 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 the yeah. Chris, to the power of the Chris. Yeah, but, but Coco makes me ugly cry too. Oh my god, Definitely. that's last. Yeah. Oh, when yeah. the when the grandma and yeah. she, oh, oh yeah, don't don't get me yep. started. I'm gonna, I was watching. I, I went to visit my grandma's yesterday, so don't even get me started. Uh, but. Switching gears from Pixar to our yeah. beloved, beloved franchise that is Star Wars. Uh, Mando has wrapped up yeah. season two. Uh, we were going to do originally an episode where we were going to do like a final discussion on <laughs> on season two and our thoughts versus season one and how the season progressed and our you know overall thoughts on on what had happened, uh, but. Since we had, as Natalie was mentioning before, we had technical difficulties. We did not get to it last week. So we figured this would be a perfect time to do it. Uh, Alden had a fantastic, fantastic thread on Twitter uh, talking about that surprise Luke Skywalker reveal there at the end of uh, episode eight, uh, which had some very good reaction from the fan base, especially from our one of our favorite directors, whom we'll talk hopefully about. Uh, later in this episode, Mr. Ryan Johnson. So congratulations, Alden. There, that was yeah, pretty, was a lot pretty, of fun. Pretty cool. And it was pretty very cool. insightful too. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Thank some you. good words. Some good words. Yeah. Uh, Lots of good, good conversations. Words. And I'm pretty sure you had talked about it when we were thinking about what might be the end. You talked about you wanting it to be Luke. I think yeah. I, I remember yeah. saying like, I think my general feeling going in was sort of like I don't think they'll do it. Yeah. But, but it I makes a lot of sense. And I hope yeah. Yeah, and then I mean we'll talk about it, but mm-hmm. see when the X Wing showed up, I was like, "There's no yeah. way." It can't I was be like, "There's no way in hell that this is about to happen before yeah. my eyes," and then it did. Yeah, me and Angel Spando were literally screaming at the television. Like it was the X Wing. It has to be him. Wait, it was so. Doesn't it was necessarily so... have to be him yet, and, but the framing of it was just That's so fantastic, and ooh. Yeah, all still, over again, I, just thinking about it. I still, I'm still grappling with how I feel about it, that's for sure. Uh, well, no. yeah. I mean, I think the only problem that I have with it is that at the end of the day, it's the Mandalorian season finale, and all we're talking about is Luke Skywalker. So it kind of maybe takes a little bit away from Mando, mm-hmm. but I don't know. From Grogu. From Grogu. Grogu. Uh, so yeah, from that uh, amazing moment of when he takes his helmet off in front of Grogu, and uh, you know, and he looks so he looks so talking about breaking a man's heart right there. <laughs> yes, Luke Skywalker is the villain 
and uh, <laughs> not the dark. Are you all dressed in all black? Which doesn't. I, I, I mean, this is nitpick, obviously. But I, yeah. I, I was nitpicking a bit because you know that's what we do, I guess. Like get mm-hmm. every little inch and, and analyze everything about it. Uh, well, the war, after five years, I thought like he would like be transitioning from like those dark robes that represented him the potential of going to the dark side and return of the Jedi and be transitioning to like more of the mm-hmm. lighter robed mentor garb that we see at least in the Rise of Kylo Ren comics, if I'm not mistaken. He has and, like a but, gray under yeah. piece and everything. and But that's a nitpick. That's yeah. Well, and at the end yeah. of the turn, he has the jacket flap open. You see the yeah. whites and the jacket. Yeah. With So I was a little bit worried that I was all black. I was like, what's happened in the last few years that he's still like, all black but we don't yeah. know but it is something to be explored so and he's still going to the same barber after five years a good <laughs> that 1970s yeah. or 80s barber baby you yeah. always gotta that's the have, stuff once you find that good that barber that like treats you right you gotta stick go to with him that's, but, that's 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 how you always end up in tatooine that's, <laughs> that's barbers are in tatooine that's where yes <laughs> dr mandible is probably his barber uh, oh, yeah. yes Ooh. That <laughs> would be kind of awesome. That's canon. <laughs> you hear that Lucasfilm? Get, get on it. Uh, get on it. But uh, personally, for season, it was interesting because while he's like, after I came back here uh, to visit my parents for the holidays, uh, I was talking to my dad and I had expected that he, since, you know, he has three grandkids, I would have expected him to have Disney Plus here at the house and to have him watch The Mandalorian since he knows. We have this podcast. I would have expected him to keep up to date. Sadly, he didn't. Uh, so I found that as a golden opportunity to put, you know, put my account here and then start watching Mandalorian with him. And as I was going through like season one, I was realizing some of the things about how I felt about season two. And personally, like, it's interesting because season one is still framed in a similar fashion to season two, where like there's always one character that's introduced per episode that you know challenges or helps or stops mando from doing x or y thing that he needs to do in that episode season two does that too but i felt that the way that season one was doing it at least personally for me was a little more successful in season two because those characters that were always introduced in season one were in service of mando and mando was always you know kind of always the protagonist and was never overshadowed. And I think, and I, I don't know, maybe this is me just expecting something different. But for season two, I felt that it became more of the cameo show in a way. And that even though I understand the reason that a lot of these characters were brought in, because obviously they do challenge Mando in one way or another, and very clearly and very appropriately so, I still felt that it robbed the show of what it makes it special in a way. I don't know if you guys. I don't know if I'd say that it robbed it of what it made it special, but they are definitely a different class. You know, they're a different. They're a different category for sure. I mean, there's a difference between creating Quill and IG and Cardoon and Mayfeld and mm-hmm. uh, Xion uh, and all of them. In you know, versus Bo Katan, Boba Fett, Ahsoka so Tano, mm-hmm. and Luke Skywalker and R2D2. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a little bit of there's a difference there for sure, like expectations. But I do think that they and again, some of this will be time, like some of it will be like 
how does season three take advantage? You know, it's always that build back. Yes. Like yep. people yep. didn't really like chapters five, six, you know, from the first one, like especially five and then six, you know, with that. Yeah. But then all of that comes back. Now you watch mm-hmm. five and you know that that's Boba Fett. You know that mm-hmm. she's coming back. Yeah. You know that it's you know, that the sand people, that that mm-hmm. relationship is going to play in later on. So you've, mm-hmm. uh, you've seen Pelly again and you know that she can be trusted, that she's a friend. So it, it everything elevates everything. But um, yeah, I think that, you know, like Bo-Katan, they all give him something like Bo-Katan with the revelation about the cult and like the helmets and all that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Ahsoka putting more trust in Grogu to make his own choices. Mm-hmm. So I think that they are serving a purpose, but it's a, it's a fine line because you could have yeah. made up a Jedi and instead of Ahsoka and just made mm-hmm. up a Jedi Knight that could have been defending that city or something. And it have, doesn't make sense because then you keep adding right, I, I, which makes I, the purge kind of yeah. irrelevant. Yeah. At that but point. even that, <laughs> even if it was Cal Kestis or yeah. anyone like that, Quinlan Voss, you could have done someone less popular than her, basically. Than Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. And it would have been cool, mm-hmm. but at the same time, then do you get the same oomph of like Bo-Katan sent me the pressure? You can't have lines or she's saying like, I've seen what this does before. Mm-hmm. So it just... It's a really, really fine line, and I don't think there's a perfect way to go about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, could you say that Boba overshadowed Din in, in that episode? You certainly could, but maybe but, but, earns but I think, But I think they did Boba Fett correctly. I mean, not, not as if there's the wrong or right way to do things, and I'm not one to say <laughs> which way that is. But in my perspective, right. I think Boba Fett was brought in eh, very, very well and very, very strongly because, like, even though he's such a powerful, you know, a legacy character, so to speak, like in the rest of the episodes, he's very, you know, he's a supporting character. He's not there to overshadow Din in any way. So, like, I, I was surprisingly very comfortable with Boba's presence, even though I was very worried. It's the most I've ever being liked introduced. Him. True, true. <laughs> most and I have, and I have completely him. come around to the repainted, you know. <laughs> the, the Me too. I, I, originally, I, I was all about the beat up. Yeah. Uh, old man the, fat armor. Yep. <laughs> and then they, they full on went for the repaint. And I was like, man, looks, looks good. good. Looks good. Yeah. It's all and about for a second, you're like, oh, what? The other one's broken. It's awesome. And then you really look at it. And then he it's has like, all the black underneath. And it's like, yeah, that's. Oh, the and then black with the, with the robe skirt looks yeah, so cool. yeah. Oh, it looks amazing. And there's something about him like repurposing it. Like, this is my armor. I'm making it all new again. Mm hmm. Yeah, and and embracing it all over again, and that's for such a theme. Yeah. yeah, that's such a theme of the show. It, it's mm-hmm. it's Din saying to the armorer in uh, chapter three, the sin, like my armor's lost its integrity. I have to begin mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. That's the whole show. Yep. Is I lost my integrity. I have to begin again. And if it is true that the Ahsoka episode is pre the Rebels epilogue, mm-hmm. which originally I thought mm-hmm. it had to be after because she's already on the Thrawn quest, not yeah. necessarily. Uh, yeah. If we see her transition in her show into the white robe and mm-hmm. put away the gray and put on the white, like in that Lord of the Rings way, that is also that armor theme again. Yeah. Uh, and and I yeah. think that a lot of it, I mean, even Cobb Vanth, like if we ever see him again, how did he move? I'm really when? hoping for when? Cobb Vanth again. When? When we see In the Boba when? show, he has to show up, right? Yeah. yeah. He has to. They have to have a conversation. like, And, and also they have to explain why didn't Boba just either challenge him or kill him yeah yeah he knew, knew where his name. armor was for years yeah he, he knew, knew where it was name. and and yeah. didn't actually do anything about it until din took it so 
Why? Yeah. Maybe he was just looking for the slave one. Maybe. Who knows? You think then, the slave one would be parked outside the castle? Outside that's the good, true, but, 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 but after, after, after they saw Boba going to the Sarlacc pit, somebody was like, oh. those Jawas were like, let's take that chip. Like, They're relentless. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And Mac Daddy Bib Fortuna. Yeah. Oof, Matthew Wood. That was fantastic. Yeah, I yeah. love that whole it was, scene. That, it was so return. It yeah, was, it was framed exactly the same. I mean, I remember when I first saw the two songs, I was like, Tatooine, again, not that I don't yeah, know Tatooine, like, but uh, again, and then it's like, Jabba's Palace. Oh. Like, yeah. okay, you have my, why is it? You have my, you have my curiosity. curiosity. Now, now you, you have, have my attention. attention. It was the same way where I saw those, because I, I, I love the art, you know, so I waited mm. for the art and then it cut to, to the credits black. over black. black. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And I, I waited to see if it was Mark Hamill and then it was, and I was like, hey, mm-hmm. and then, I got up to put my coffee cup in the sink and I was halfway to the kitchen and I saw like the light change on the TV and I was like, what? And then (laughs) I saw the twin sons and for a split second, I thought it was going to be Luke and Grogu. I thought that he had taken- I thought it was going to be too. I thought it was going to be too. Yeah. And I was like, again with the homestead. Mm -hmm. Not that I'll ever be sad about seeing it, but- I know, but still, when you see Jabba's palace- I was like, like, "Mm, do tell mm -hmm. again, because Jedi is my favorite. And so that was- just such a such a trip and just the the rock and roll like it's like sexy and and like like an album cover when yeah. when fennec gets up there with the spotchka yeah. and, and like yep. he's sitting and the, the rifle like oh it's just man and they're both almost 60 years old yep and they look fantastic it's crazy and it's tam insane. it's good for tam i mean cuz from especially from that gallery documentary you can tell that he's having the time of his life being back. Oh yeah, like in Star Wars. I so, love him. Like it's fantastic. I'm uh, it, it did through it did through a monkey wrench into like uh, my theories of how Boba Fett was gonna fit into Mandalorian in terms of like yeah. the hero's journey and like. But we'll see. Especially now that we know that Robert Rodriguez is the thing. He's the showrunner or the. He's like, he's one of the executive producers, yeah. Executive so producers. probably showrunning, maybe doing the pilot or a couple more or something. Oh, for the book of Boba. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's. I mean, and just seeing in the gallery. I mean, which all you know also came out mm-hmm. uh, at the time of this recording a couple of days ago. So I want to watch it again. But the fact that Robert shot with his sons in the backyard, yeah. the way that he wanted to frame his his fight scene is so good. I loved that. And it ended up being the same thing. It was the surprising thing for me, yeah. basically. Like the sh- it was shot for shot the same thing he envisioned with his kids. I was like, holy crap. That's and he said it was a, a three-page three page fight scene, and he turned it into a 10-minute fight scene. Huh. Hey, the man knows what he's doing with, with action scenes. That is yep. so good. Definitely. That's so, phenomenal. I'm, so, was, I'm excited for all that. I know. It's definitely a ride. And, and I think that, like you were saying, Alden, we're going to be able to tell the time you know, the difference between the seasons and everything. But mm-hmm. I think it was too good of an opportunity to pass up to do more storytelling. Because I don't think anybody had any idea how successful The Mandalorian was going to be when season one came out. So running from all of that success to season two, you have this chance to open it up for more content mm-hmm. for people that are not that immersed in Star Wars. So you get Bo-Katan, you get Ahsoka Tano, you get Boba Fett, you get people wanting to watch, you know, Clone Wars and Rebels and, and everything. Right. So, so 
it is that opportunity to open it up. And, and I think, you know, maybe he was a little bit overshadowed this season, but not necessarily. Yeah, I think that it always at does a good of job day. of like, yeah, exactly. At the end, mm-hmm. it, it does a good mm-hmm. job of snapping back. Like it always expands everything out. Like Luke shows up and he has this incredible sequence and then this incredible dialogue. And then he, when he, but when he picks up Grogu, you know, when he, they're walking down the hallway together, the camera's on Grogu. You know, it's not, about, it's not about it. Luke anymore. Yep. Yeah. And I think that they, you know, they always remind you of of mm-hmm. what it is really about like ahsoka showing up and then making it about them and their family and then walking away mm-hmm. you know bo katan say, saying you know we you know once you finish your mission you should consider joining us mm-hmm. but you know but he's still our our point of view and now mm-hmm. accidentally being possibly the leader of battle <laughs> ruler <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, I love this man. I want I wonder how they're gonna play that one. Oh. Which is interesting because I saw Stay someone tuned. ask Yeah. Huh? I saw someone saying, like, oh, is there gonna be a time jump between uh, season two and season three? I'm like, there can't be a time jump. We have to see what happens immediately. This is kinda like a Force Awakens Last Jedi situation. You can't yeah. leave, leave a cliffhanger like it that. It was too much of a cliffhanger. See yeah. what happens immediately. Yeah. <clears throat> True. I agree. I agree. And there's also so much unresolved, like even Darksaber aside, Gideon is alive. Yes. And he's right there. And he confirmed that he got the blood of Grogu mm-hmm. to continue his plot. That is all still happening. Um, you know, they're gonna have to call up Carson Teva yep. and and get the get these Rangers of the New Republic, whoever they're gonna be on this yep. immediately, because some stuff's going down. It'll yeah. be it'll be more some of detective a... work. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll prefer that because, like, Rangers of the New Republic is one of the ones that I'm least excited for. Yeah. Uh, but if it's more of a, you know, a, a mystery crime detective thing instead of straight on cops, you know? Exactly. I'll, yeah. Like, yeah. figuring out, like, a mystery and, like, trying to solve it, I'll be, I'll be more invested, especially if, like, uh, Dina Carano is involved. I hope that. And if she is, like, just keep her at a minimum. Whatever you were going to give Cardoon. Lucasfilm, I know you you watch this show, so they do. I'm gonna, of course, I'm gonna yes. Give it to you, they super. Do. I'm gonna give it to you right into the camera. <laughs> Whatever you're gonna give Cardoon, <laughs> you give to Aiden Versio instead, and you bring in Janina, who already acts in live action and is with the New Republic at this time, in the timeline. That's and you know she'd be, you know she, you know she'd do it. Oh, in a heartbeat, heartbeat she would do it. That's what you do. There you I go. like that. Uh, I'm loving this. Yes. Alden has spoken. And exactly. we'll do it now because Bye. they listen. Yeah. <laughs> I have spoken. Goodbye. And resurrect Quill. But 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 I, I uh, think after after oh, like oh that that makes me cry yes. too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like after hearing like everything, I feel like maybe what retracted a little bit from the story was that it was a little bit more just like as Alden said, expanding to give us like all those like new stories that are mm-hmm. coming down the road. Mm-hmm. And it's possible that, and, and I think I correct me if I'm wrong, they started shooting season two before even knowing the success of season one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's they possible did. they were just, this was always the plan, you know, like hook us in, then they throw a bunch of like fish lines. And that's and we start like. I mean, fo- it's Favreau. He he built the MCU. Yeah. So so, I mean, so it's he, it's. 
but 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 it's kind of like I, I agree with a little bit with a little what everybody said mm-hmm. uh, that <laughs> who do you agree with the most who do I agree with the most yeah oh more I I, I I think it would be Nani? Choose wisely. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's fair. That's you have fair. chosen or uh, <laughs> chosen the last crusade. Come on. That's all. It's uh, all Lucasfilm. It's all no, Lucasfilm, baby. <laughs> but, but that's the beauty of like, you also, we also have to like consider like, you know, who's the real audience for the show? Is it mm-hmm. like the diehard fans? Is it everybody that's like getting into Disney Plus? So I, so in a way, like that taco commercial why not both yeah. i think it's well, exactly so so everybody so it's it's I, I i give kudos to them for in every episode i've i think like either being a diehard fan or somebody that doesn't know anything about star wars mm-hmm. right anybody that sits sits down and watches it will enjoy it in some mm-hmm. level or or maybe they're just hated but It'll, they'll have a good time hating it. No, but, but at the end the of the only... day, I mean, they'll miss they'll miss some like Easter eggs and stuff. But you can follow yeah. the story without exactly. knowing that much of a story of about stories. Because my uh, mother and father in law, who don't even remember watching the originals, they say they did maybe you know back in the day, but they don't really remember them. And they're huge fans of Mandalorian. Yeah, I mean, I and think to that, be yeah. frank, to be frank, the only people that hate Star Wars are Star Wars fans. That's true. <laughs> I also think that, like, uh, we also have to remember that to that point about Star Wars fans, we get probably more distracted and thrown off than the casual viewer because we see Bo-Katan and we're like, Bo-Katan and and this, that about about Death Watch and (laughs) Clone Wars and all this stuff. And we start making all these connections and, oh, Bo-Katan and Luke Skywalker are in the same room. And Bo-Katan can say like, hey, your your master used to sleep with my sister. Like all this, all this, all these connections that we can make a casual viewer is just meeting her for the first time. And she's like a badass. That's she's cool. cool. She's a little helmet. Oh, she takes her helmet off. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. I thought, I thought Mandalorians couldn't take their helmet off. Exactly. So, what's happening? Exactly. Yeah. And then they see Ahsoka and they're like, oh, she's a Jedi from when the little baby was like even smaller. Cool. Even a smaller baby. Yeah. Like those are the only one that re- that really throws it for a loop in a mainstream pop culture way is Luke. But he's the main character of Star Wars, yes. you know, for 40 years. So it, yeah. it does sort of like if you're gonna throw the dice on anyone yeah. it's luke han and leia yeah. and they're all yeah. safe bets it's interesting though because i've asked a couple of uh, friends of mine that aren't active fans so you know they don't they just watch the movies right right they don't know it, the deep lore and, and i always make a point to ask them when, while they're watching mandalorian it's like oh well does it has it thrown you off this season to see like all these characters that come in and, mo- and most, if not all of them, have like resoundingly said that it has not distracted them, and they don't really wonder who these people are. So it kind of confirms that the show is doing this in an appropriate way, where like they bring in characters that are appropriate for the story and written correctly for new viewers that don't know who they are to accept them in the story right. and know what they need to know. Yeah. Exactly, like with Boba is is the other big one where, yeah, showing him at the end of chapter nine 
starts the season off for us with that lingering like oh when are they going to pay off when, boba yeah. for other are people they actually going to use him what right is yeah. this going to be next season mm-hmm. for other people when he shows up in the tragedy mm-hmm. they're probably like oh it's from that from the first episode that guy oh cool episode yeah oh he two. found cool. him cool cool yeah. like that's it oh what a badass is like yeah, yeah. Oh, this old, this old, he's, ooh, he's an old Mandalorian. So we have the main Mandalorian, we have the girl Mandalorian, and we have the old Mandalorian. Cool. <laughs> like this is the Mandalorian family. The redhead and and now the uh Polynesian old startup guy. With the stick and a rifle. Oh. Yeah. So that's oh. all you need. That's all you need. Singing, singing the Mandalorian blues in the gallery. Oh, that was yeah. so good. Uh, so yeah. now I really feel that we are just whining because we know that these characters are in the overall universe more important than Mando. So we think they overshadow him. But at the end of the day, for people that don't know who these characters are, Mando is not being overshadowed. Oh, I haven't asked them that. So you, you, you could possibly be correct, but I have yet to do a scientific. So ask that question. specific question. Yes. Well, well, yeah, that's that's a great because and my sample, just, my sample size is two, so not hey. as thorough. <laughs> no, because I mean, I assume they're being kind of overpowered just because the character is overpowering to begin with. Because yeah, we know so much about these characters already. Right. So, and also, I think that for the casual viewer, <laughs> whoever wherever Grogu is is where their attention is. Oh, definitely. True. True. Yeah. Wish. new Speculation time. Will we see Grogu in season three? Or will Grogu be woven back into the story at some undetermined point in the future? Because he has to come back. I mean, their story. I think that. You know, I think that he's not going to be in Book of Boba Fett at all. Mm -hmm. That's pretty safe. Yeah, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I think that he might be in Mandalorian, like in the second half of season three. Mm -hmm. Like I'd say, do like Gideon, Bo, Dark Saber up top, and then maybe the back half brings grogu back in and then you follow that with ahsoka like so do like some mando war stuff and then really start to transition into like the really force stuff yeah because i think that i don't want to see luke more than once again like luke should be like seasoning like yeah. a little a little sprinkle that you know I, i'm I'd, I'd even be okay with seeing luke's like legs and boots as grogu walks by <laughs> yeah. like i really don't need a lot of him yes i'm showing up in his x-wing and throwing grogu out of the cactus. <laughs> yeah like he, he he drops an escape pod <laughs> as he goes by i'm giving uh, him back yeah he eats uh, too much yeah it, he <laughs> <laughs> i i well i can't feed him <laughs> i can't feed him yeah like it's it, all it, of ben's it, treats uh, i can't uh. Like it, it wouldn't make sense for them to drop Grogu. It's too much of a mar- like marketing. Exactly. Like, although, although if they although if they do drop them, I think it's ballsy, and I would support it because it's kind of the same strategy they did for Rogue One, which I think worked out beautifully in terms of the overall product, right, of the storytelling, which is just kill off all your characters. Yes, you have an impactful. But... But 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 we we already knew that those characters had to die in yeah. a sense, like. Yeah. Like, it, it, because it wouldn't, because then it will, wouldn't fit within any hope. Like, it's true. Yeah, I, it's um, a little bit different in that way. I agree, but in terms of like making people fall in love with them, like on like that marketing level, I do get. Yeah. I think it would be interesting 
I don't really want selfishly as a fan of Grogu. I don't want this because I want to see him soon. But I think that creatively, keep him off the table for, for season three mm-hmm. altogether, and then in the Ahsoka show, that's when you do Luke, Ahsoka, Grogu around a campfire in some way or or around a, around a dinner table. I think that this child could be what gets them to speak and Ahsoka and Luke talking, I think, cause I don't think that she knows that Anakin came back. Mm-hmm. And I think that that should be the huge moment of her series. So are we going to hedge bets and say that, uh, there's going to be a meetup between Luke and Ahsoka in the Ahsoka show. I think so. I think that a conversation between Luke and Ahsoka happening and being what, pushes her from the gray cloak to the yeah. white cloak could be wow. super cool. Just like in the sense of she's had this gray cloak and this, and, and that mentality since the clone wars, you know, the clone wars ends with the shot of the gray and all the helmets. And then when chapter 13 starts, it's the gray and she's got, you know, the blades out taking out those troopers. What takes her from those blades to this Gandalf-looking staff and this this focus and just like having been gone for the whole original trilogy era, like what made her have that sort of like master feeling? And I think that thinking that Anakin was really gone might be what kept her sad or like or like torn in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Maybe she'll finally find peace if he. I. They should never let me direct one of these because people want to complain about fan service. Now I'll give you, I'll give you fan service. I would have, I would have Luke and Ahsoka talking and then halfway through the conversation, Luke goes, there's someone better than me that can explain what happened. And then it's Anakin. Because Hayden, Hayden's back in the, in the family acting. Could you imagine? If you had, I mean, Force goes Hayden talking to Ahsoka. That would be, that would be, I I I think the the nerd gas and, be too powerful. I think the, <laughs> It'd be too powerful. I think this yeah. the, the the world is not ready for a I would weep. Of that magnitude. I I I will I will take that whole Luke story but change it with Anakin and then it's like boom. Yeah. Yeah, I would yeah, that would be I would be inconsolable. You, yeah. Well and you especially got especially because but, 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 but you're Anakin right. probably like knew Grogu. Like we, we we can only see Luke like once or maybe like just like you know, but but I I can see Grogu and R two popping up. Yeah, like, like randomly kind of like, running like, around like, and like, like kind of like maybe halfway they'll do like a Lord of the Rings thing and like like ten minutes will be like oh it's Grogu like playing with R two or something mm-hmm. just so we like check like in. I don't know someday. he's still around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or even if it's like. Because my whole thing has been Luke Skywalker's life at this point. There's going to be other threats. We know that, like, because of Rise of Skywalker, him and Lando, when they were younger, went after Ochi of Bastoon. So it's like, what if there's a, what if one day Din is in his new ship, whatever ship that is? I don't know if he gets another one or wherever he's living, let's say. And let's say Chewbacca shows up holding Grogu. And he's like, what is this? And he, and Chewbacca basically says, like, I'm here on behalf of Luke Skywalker. You know, there's dark forces or something is happening. Yeah. And so I need to give him back. He need the child needed to be safe and he knew that you'd you'd wa- you'd watch over him again. Something like that could be a cute something way like, to yeah. get like one more cameo in there. I don't think they'll do Han because I think that if they do that again, it might be in the Lando show. Like I think they'll save Alden Han for 
young projects. Um, yeah. I don't think they'll do Leia just because that's probably the hardest of all the recasts. I know. So I think that Chewie is easy because he he can exist as just Chewie in all time periods and it always works. Yeah. Um, some somebody like that, uh, you know, showing up and just being like, you know, we we know that that the child loves you. He'll be safe here. Uh, there's bigger things going on that you don't know about. Maybe that's Thrawn, you know, or something like that. And uh, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little, I, I keep mentioning this every time Thrawn is brought up mm. because I'm a Thrawn advocate, especially like with the news, uh, t- uh, Timothy, Timothy Zahn books, mm. sort of Chaos Rising in particular. Like I, I, I don't see Thrawn anymore as like a straightforward villain. Yeah. Like he might've been in the Thrawn, the original Thrawn trilogy. Yeah, which is fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but like now, I feel like he's, you know, he's working for the Empire because he has ulterior motives to help the Shiz in the unknown regions from threats that the Empire could help with. Right. But like I don't see him as being like you know some, you know, like a Moff Gideon <clears throat> or or a Krennic or one of these like loyalists to the Empire. I yeah. I personally feel that with the fall of the Empire, he would be like, well, this is not in my best interest anymore to serve because they. You know, they've fallen, so they can't help the Shiz ascendancy. Right. And so to keep him as a villain, I'm not so sure that that's the right way to go, just because that's not how he's being framed anymore, even though they can do whatever they want in live action, because live action trumps books, right? Uh, but if they bring him in, I think it's going to has to be a little more nuanced than just straight up villain. He can't mm. be Moff Gideon. No. And I don't think those two guys would get along. I think it'll be like a three faction type thing. Mm-hmm. Like maybe like Thrawn, everybody like no. fighting over the scraps of something. what the Empire used that, to be like trying maybe, to establish maybe, something. Maybe, maybe it's Thrawn the one that like facilitates or like is the main catalyst for like the uh, the first order to pop up. Oh, well, see, I, I was feel- going to go I was going to go the reverse and say yeah, that. I wouldn't say the that, reverse. That, that, yeah, like, if Gideon is like mm-hmm. I can use the blood and get it to Exegol and like he knows about the plan or something. Like Gideon might be the one they left behind to get the resources or something. Um, and Thrawn would probably, I-, I think the Thrawn would be the one that's like, look, you hate me, but you have no idea that Palpatine, that he, you know, he, he lingers, that he's not entirely <laughs> gone. And lingers. you know that, that if he is planning, you know, Thrawn could be playing like the, New Republic versus Imperial Remnant versus Rising First Order versus everything and looking at the entire board and trying to decide, you know, like Luke Skywalker and, you know, because you got to keep in mind, like Thrawn's in canon, his biggest defeat was because he didn't really understand the Force. Mm-hmm. And you got to imagine that with Luke Skywalker being out there and Ahsoka too, that he's probably done a fair bit of studying since yeah. then. Oh, I mean, because he's with Ezra, so in my mind he, he and Ezra are buddies now yeah they're their besties so it can't it, it's either ezra went to the dark side or thrones now you know and ezra's good graces yeah but they can't you know it's like the harry potter uh, prophecy none none can survive while the other exists or whatever <laughs> the prophecy said some shit self-fulfilling prophecy whichever I, I, I haven't seen order of the phoenix in a while uh, did you read my the least books favorite. you didn't read the books did you yes i read Yes, I obviously read the books. I have them upstairs. Uh, but yeah, like neither years. neither can live while the other survives. Mm-hmm. Or... Some, some, yeah, something like mm-hmm. that. 
Something I don't know. Like I, I love I love the book, but the movie just fucking broke my heart. I don't know. Like yeah. that and Goblet of Fire would just it just broke my soul. Because the book Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman's he's the, amazing. He's, he's the he's the bright light in those movies. But, no, Alan Rickman. Sorry. But he's just, been in all the movies. So. Yeah. It still hurts though. It hurts. Anyway, we're getting distracted. <laughs> as as we do as nerds, we yes. just get distracted. It's what happens. Um. So anyway, there's many theories about what's going to happen. Obviously, but I think it's up to the directors to decide what theme they're going to follow. I so I yeah. think I was disappointed. George Lucas didn't direct the last episode. Um, I was like, I was like, oh man, it's gonna be him. That, 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 that was just the, the, the last thing. Yeah, I was like, I was, I was, uh, I, I knew I shouldn't, it. I knew I shouldn't have been sure about it, but I convinced myself. I was like, it's, it has to be. Uh, was good I'm, I'm be. glad that it happened. I'm glad. The, yeah, the possibility <laughs> of them double dipping a director, and that's why they didn't announce all eight, did yeah. not occur to me. And that was a mistake, a rookie mistake. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was like, like it got out the day before that it was Peyton, and I was like, I'm happy for Peyton because I like him. But I was like, man, but I thought still it was a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he rocked it, and you know, ultimately, like you're saying, like all the Star Wars directors, they all get Star Wars, but they are all so different in a lot yeah. of ways. They all interpret Star Wars in a different way, as we all do, obviously. So I think we should get into this now. Like talking about the directors and how they have differently handled Star Wars. Do you guys want to talk about films first? Do you want to stick with Mando? What do you guys want to do? Hey, I think films are kind of the. I, I personally feel they should be the first thing, yes, because it's mm-hmm. the original live action. Yeah. Directorial. That would start it. Of people. So then we have to start and with George Lucas. The man himself. Yep. The creator. The, man, the legend. The myth. The legend. Dad. Pops, old plate, a plat man. Uh, uh, George Lucas, who changed our lives. He is a humble guy. I will give him that. Uh, Love him so much. Uh, I think he's a fantastic director, but I feel he works better when he's surrounded by a team that can challenge him, yes, and say no to him and stand up to him. Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel. I mean, in a nutshell, just I'm not gonna go mm-hmm. so hardcore into it right now. Uh, that's why I feel like the prequels failed directorially, uh, where like he chimed more in A New Hope because New Hope he had Gary Kurtz, he had his yeah. wife at the time, mm-hmm. he had like yeah. all these people that like, and he was insecure also <laughs> and had no money, so like he had like all these circumstances around him. <laughs> Not everybody kinda, saying yes to him. Exactly, yeah. right. that kind of like forced yeah. him to make a better, and I use better cautiously product than like the prequels is even though i found a lot of value in the prequel now after you know letting them sit in in consciousness for like the, over 10 years well 20 with yeah. the phantom menace that they've been you know in pop culture now uh, i feel like if he had had like his gary kurtz you know that would stand up to him to kind of challenge some of his decision making i think his directorial efforts would have been considerably more successful but, I mean, he's the creator, though. He made the world yep. as we know it. <laughs> In his yeah. image. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In his image. <laughs> we are all George in a certain way. Uh, all children. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I couldn't have said it better. I mean, George is, George is a phenomenal storyteller. Yes. 
Mm. He's not a writer. And he, is, <laughs> and he says that himself. And he, yeah. you know, storyteller, world builder. Yeah, world builder. He's a mm -hmm. visionary. Mm -hmm. He is, you know, it's so funny nowadays that people say, like, oh, Star Wars has too much nostalgia. Star Wars is a nostalgia trip. Nostalgia. The original one is a nostalgia trip for the searchers for flash gordon for you know mm -hmm. the bridge on the river Kwai, for yojimbo for seven samurai for all of these things king arthur king or... arthur yes yeah. and and even like a little bit of like you know there's a there's a connection between luke skywalker and like peter parker you know those those early stanley uh marvel comics you know george loved marvel coming of comics age and, stories exactly wizard of oz yep. i mean it's it's all of those things and george is the ultimate um like remix artist like he's the ultimate person that's like i can take something and make it fresh again and show it to you in a way that you've never um that you've never experienced it before mm. and he doesn't get combine them into work ways that worked like combining yes. all those yeah. yes mm -hmm. being able to create like he's like a dj and and, and just the way that he he doesn't get enough credit because it's been like a, it's become like a joke like faster more intense more intense yeah. <laughs> you know like yeah it's like, like that might have been yeah those might be like his two big things but well his, and the uh, other criticized that it's like he stole from this he stole from this he stole from this yes yeah but everybody steals Everyone. from something what fantasy anything hasn't stolen from tolkien it's all exactly i, I, I mean, mean they're all the same stories i mean mm -hmm. harry potter aslan anakin mm -hmm. skywalker they're all jesus christ all of them come down to the to Neo from the matrix of Christ, Neo, you know, it's all the cave and these, these existential writings. And so it's like what he did though, you know, and with like Marshall Lucas and Gary Kurtz is he found the speed and the pacing and, you know, the wipe transitions and the lingering on creatures and establishing things a certain way. Like all of that flavor and new hope is so masterfully done. And so like meticulous and the way that he had an eye for talent, like to pick Mark and Carrie and Harrison and Billy D and yeah. Peter Mayhew and just all mm -hmm. these people like that were completely unknown back like, then. How do you get, yeah. how do you get the perfect mix like that? You know, yeah. like th that's talent. And yeah, George, George rocks. George yeah. is great. And he was always thinking ahead. Like George he was thinking wanted, about the volume. He, like, he wanted to build a volume, you know, yeah. a decade ago. Like, he wanted. Mm -hmm. everything was all you know he's he's cursed with being a vision a, a visionary ahead of his time yeah. mm -hmm. i wonder though isn't you mentioned... that the beauty of like why we end up loving george mm -hmm. like, because it it pushes that boundary between you know what our daily lives just is and what it could possibly mean if we for a split second just teleport ourselves into that reality like we yeah. can all be leia we can all be look mm. from our specific points of views and i think that's that's the beauty of george like he gave us that raw myth as well like the story became a living thing which mm. is what you will expect from any good narrative yeah it it, it becomes its own thing you're the mm -hmm. creator which like I, I think a lot of things still like don't get there where the creator still wants to control and like dictate mm -hmm. but to mm -hmm. get to the point of like you know this becomes like 
I think like George understood that once art or something's put out there, you are the owner. Whoever's watching it makes it a reality. And I think that's that's what separates George from, at least in my view. I'm just making shit up here. So. <laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 I agree. I, <laughs> I agree, but I extend it. I extend it a little beyond that because mm. it, I, I see it similarly to you, Mo. But for me, one of the things that makes Star Wars special through your George is that he was able to you know, imbue meaning, you know, because he could have done any sci-fi film. I mean, you compare one of the sci-fi films that came after that. Uh, that were knockoffs of Star Wars, like Disney's The Black Hole, and like all these contemporary movies at the time. They were right. trying to do the sci-fi, but they didn't understand the meaning that George was yeah. viewing it. And I think that's one of the things that we see, especially when we, and we'll discuss it when we talk about these, some of these other directors, when we see the approaches that some of the directors in Star Wars have had, some don't understand that meaning behind the things that they're putting onto film. Because Star Wars isn't sci-fi. Star Wars is fantasy. Exactly. Exactly. It's fantasy. Yeah, Star Wars is fantasy in space. Parable. It's the whole idea. You know, George always says it like, you know, these are uh, these are stories for twelve year olds. uh, (laughs) Like that's the whole thing. Like Uh, it's all hmm. about those those choices. Like this is Star Wars is not about the space opera. It is Mm -hmm. a space opera, but it's not about a space opera. Mm -hmm. It's about uh going to college it's about <laughs> you know dating the boy from the wrong side of the tracks mm-hmm. it's about mm-hmm. you know the pressures of growing up it's about family drama at home mm-hmm. you know for han solo is just a boy and his dog you know <laughs> except for i would argue that han is the dog yeah. and mm-hmm. and you know because mm-hmm. chewy i think chewy is the more mature of yeah. the two um, he doesn't interject yeah. too much like, exactly. Yeah. He kind of just lets him be. It's yeah. like I know better, but it's, it's, well, you, you, let, you let your there. pop do its stuff. You know, exactly. It bars, it bars. Yeah. You know, you love it. <laughs> let him hang out. You still love him. He pees. You know, yeah. uh, that's what Star Wars is. You know, and with Padme and, and Anakin, you know, that's the star-crossed lovers. It's always been there. You know, Ray is so much of the stuff that we see with throughout all of fiction of like the the girl with the untapped power you know yeah. like there's a reason why ray and 11 from stranger things took off at the same time mm-hmm. because those are both like you know that's and even in the horror version you know is like carrie like what yeah. happens when a society oppresses you know yeah. that the, the women and, and things like that so there's so much so much going on mm-hmm. i mean throughout and that's all because of george because george is like he's an anthropologist who just like happened to be a filmmaker yeah mm-hmm. which is interesting that you brought up that whole uh point about ray and i want to see your thoughts real quick about that i don't know if you saw like the article i don't know if it was from today or yesterday from the alan dean foster interview i don't <laughs> care he, what alan dean foster where, thinks. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, this whole interview where he was like bashing on uh, the last jedi but yeah, he's wrong. he did mention down. something. He did, obviously, eh, but he did mention this one thing that kind of ties into, in the opposite direction, right? To what you were saying about eh, the untapped potential of Ray and like these female characters from other media. And he was saying that in his pitch for Episode Nine, Ray would have like these cybernetics or robotic parts that then would justify why she's 
suddenly so strong because the robot parts enabled her to learn more and then become more powerful. And it's just like, wait, what? when I was reading that, what? it's just like, why do we, <laughs> yeah. why do we have to do that to female characters? Why do we have to justify their power and give some external thing or person the ability to unlock that yeah. power within them? And they can't just innately have it when men are never justified in their powerfulness. Yeah. Um, no, that's my problem. Uh, is a, a huge no to all that. Uh, not only is that way too sci-fi for this. Yeah. Uh, on the on the base level, mm-hmm. it's also it just reeks of an old man sensibility. Mm-hmm. It's such an old, 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 antiquated man talking <laughs> out of his rear, and 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 to his credit, you're trying to be polite. Yeah, to his credit, George, mm-hmm. even as a young man and as an old man, uh, really understood, I think, how to flesh out a character like that, like with Leia. Yeah. Like she was, I mean, the his contribution in that way to a, the, a step forward in media can never be overstated. Like George and Carrie as a team changed it all. Mm-hmm. Like, everything yep. there is no ripley there's no buffy the vampire slayer yep. without no leia captain marvel there's wonder woman i mean wonder woman existed yeah. first in comics but in yeah. on screen um, yeah but wonder woman was kind of a sadism masochism kind of thing the guy yeah there's a so... little bit of yeah that we had to refine mm-hmm. that out yep. over time mm-hmm. and and to get, yep. get rid of some of those elements mm-hmm. and make them more palatable mm-hmm. but george had it i mean yeah like pad originally he wanted luke to be role. Uh, female character too and luke yeah luke was a luke was a woman at one point in the development you know you can get a artwork you know the ralph mccrory art of, of mm-hmm. luke girl luke yeah, and for the sequel trilogies he wanted to make leia the chosen the master and mm-hmm. yeah and dave dave filoni was saying that as well and, and some of those creative meetings and mm-hmm. uh we know that in, you know people love to be like in george's seven eight and nine that would have been you still would have had a girl jedi that was always yep. the plan and yeah. Luke still died. <laughs> whether it was Kira, whether it was Winky. Yeah. yeah. You know, there was always going to be a few Jedi. Yeah. Kira the Jedi. Yeah. Like, uh, Winky. Yeah. I prefer Winky. Uh, Winky Skywalker, man. No, but there, uh, there's something so incredibly powerful about Leia because you still frame her as very feminine yeah. and a princess. Right. But she was, as soon as those boys showed up, Luke and Han, she took over that situation. Mm-hmm. She's like, you came to rescue me. I think I have to rescue you guys because you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah, you open the like, cell door, I will actually rescue you. The well, Falcon, that's why I love like the you, Jedi, you came here Leia in that. from Jedi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leia from uh, Last Jedi. Excuse me, because you know she's as opposed to like in the Force Awakens where she's wearing like these uh, you know more rugged general clothes, which I get, but like then Last yeah. Jedi, she's back to her regalia, yeah. right? She's the, yeah. the regalia, by, like, but who I can still be... grab a blaster whenever mm-hmm. time calls yeah. for it. And you know, it's a balance, you know, and, and I, I can what be I love royal, about, I can be feminine, and I can yes. still kick your ass. And what I love about her with there, you know, tying in with what you were just saying about when these boys come to rescue her <laughs> is that now that she has, you know, she has her, her biological son mm-hmm. that has on his own path, but then like her adoptive son and Poe, the way yeah. that she mentors Poe is, yeah. is handling another one of those boys, but now yeah. as an older woman. Yep. Like he has that same like like Han Swagger. You know, exactly. And- like I can just kick mm-hmm. its ass and like mm-hmm. that will be that'll be my solution to every yeah. problem. Like, dude, no. 
she's rearing brain. him in the same way of you know finn and poe both learn the han solo lesson in last mm -hmm. jedi they just learn the two halves of it yep. you know, finn has to learn about commitment mm -hmm. to a cause and not just to people and then poe has to learn that it's not about heroics mm -hmm. which frames into what we were discussing about how directors imbue yeah. meaning into films and i think yeah. that while i love the force awakens i think it's a fantastic film mm -hmm. uh, jj personally i feel like I, I don't remember who said this quote and i'm not going to quote it exactly but when they, uh, uh, this person i was reading an article from uh, they were discussing jj's and ryan's approach to star wars and the, uh, basically in a nutshell i was saying like jj likes star wars and you can see that but ryan understands star wars and you can see that. So there's like a, a veneer in each of the movies that you can kind of understand the perception through which those directors are looking at the film from. Yeah. And for me, like JJ's Force Awakens, which again, fantastic. I love it. I think it's amazing. But it's more of the, oh, what do I want to see from a Star Wars movie versus Instead Ryan being maybe, like, what does the movie yeah. need to be? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a... Uh, you know, two halves of the same coin, because mm -hmm. what I think that JJ and I, you know, obviously people that are listening are like, you skipped over Irving Kirshner and Richard Marquand. And it's like, yeah, yeah. We, we, we did. And we didn't. I mean, yeah. like, uh, those yeah. are still George movies. Yeah. He's admitted that he micromanage mm -hmm. them. Yeah. Real quick note. Uh, he basically directed Jedi. No disrespect to Richard Marquand. We love mm -hmm. him. And he did some great stuff. Rest in peace. Mm -hmm. And rest in peace, Irving Kirshner. Who brought you know yeah. romance and 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 the heart and like and improvisation and <laughs> and improv and those touches so okay. the, the, you know those under the envelope of that original trilogy for sure mm -hmm. but in terms of in JJ the biggest compliment that I can give him is that JJ Abrams more so than probably anybody can look at a thing and tell you why culturally we love that thing yeah like he was able to find like the heart of like mission impossible, the heart of star Trek, the heart of star Wars yeah. and, and what those things are in terms of like the dynamics. And he gets like the trappings. Like that's why there's all these rumors that right now he's, he's looking over Superman scripts. Yep. He's the perfect person to do Superman. If you can give me a Superman movie that makes me feel the way force awakens made me feel. I'm but I think you he, love I the think character I, all over again from the beginning. If I'm not mistaken, I think he was originally, attached to do a superman script like in, either in the late 90s or early 2000s yeah he wrote one forever ago it's called yeah. like superman flyby and yeah. there's been wacky, a lot of people wacky, attached by the way i mean there was a like a tim burton version of like kevin smith Batman. wrote the script with for that one. yeah, yeah, with yeah. Nick Cage. Cage. <laughs> yeah that, that those that whole thing is oh, a wild there's been, journey there's, there's there's a so fantastic much. documentary about it oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah and i think i think we actually touched on this a little bit last time that JJ kind of knows how to start something, but he doesn't know yeah. how to finish something. Yeah, I think because his whole, he likes to create. Like he's like a marathon like creator. He'll create and create and create and create and create. And it's he's a really interesting cat in that way, where there isn't really anyone else like him that is so obsessed with the beginnings about what yeah. grabs somebody. Mm -hmm. And like I really like his his first star trek a lot his second yes. one a little less so yeah. i love super eight um you know force yeah. awakens i i i the first season of lost 
Yeah, I'll defend Rise of Skywalker, even though Rise of Skywalker is wonky. I get it. Um, It's super wonky. Um, But thematically, I think that he understands Star Wars as it exists for the world of movie going. Mm -hmm. You know, it was JJ that was like practical effects, real sets. Like, we're going to get back to. Kind of brought it back to the original trilogy of like making it look more real. Right. which, Which I think was the problem with. George and obviously George, but I think he was that fantastic not only because of the people he had with him orig- originally, it's because he was a little limited with the technology, so he mm. had to get really creative. Yeah, and then when he had the opportunity to do the prequel trilogy, it was like, Oh, more technology, let's right. rely on that. And he relied on it too much, yeah. and, and the CGI just does not hold up from the prequel trilogy, it just it doesn't. And yeah. The fact that he didn't have a screenwriter to help uh, yeah, flesh out and, some of that dialogue. But, but, yeah. yeah, the dialogue was so, yeah. kind like, of the, terrible. Not even, not even Carrie the, Fisher, rest in peace. Uh, I know, could have saved that. I know. I, I mean, know. she did. She she did doctor some of the scripts, I think, for Attack of the Clones. But it was still, the, but, the dialogue was... But, whoa. Mm. Yeah. Which, which is probably like what JJ, it's a little bit different. JJ sort of understands people. I yes. feel like yeah. from the yeah. beginning on like TFA, like The Force Awakens, you feel mm-hmm. you feel emotion from every character, even from the ones that like Kylo Ren is masked, you still mm-hmm. feel that right emotion. And I think that's something to give credit to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like how can you tell a story from the person's perspective? And and which is what, at least in, from my perspective, why people, you know, start loving Ray all of a sudden, start rubbing, <laughs> loving Kylo and Ben and Finn to the same level that we love the sequel. I mean, the or, you know, original and yeah. the, the prequel. Like, we, we hold them on the same standards. Right. Because I feel that somehow, right from that beginning, J.J. was able to grasp that human feeling that made made us connect with them on that level. Yeah. And that's the thing is that you're talking about you grasping those feelings. First of all, it's like masterful casting and just like his ability yeah. to pick mm-hmm. out new talent is nuts. It's up there with George, like to go yeah. up there and say, we're, I'm going to, I'm going to knock it out of the park. And- yeah. Like some known faces. Sure. But like to knock it out of the park, in creating Ray, Finn, Poe, Kylo Ren, yeah. and BB-8. And that's just the core five. Yeah. And you all love, we all love them. Like To do that. I mean, yes. we loved Kylo Ren and BB-8 before the movie came out. Because yeah. they were everywhere. <laughs> yes. And yes. and that was a cultural like event. JJ understands Star Wars on the level of what is the myth that Star Wars is going to. Mm-hmm. Like the King Arthur, like the lost yeah. youth, and all of these things. You know, the the dark prince and like King Arthur's nephew become, you know, all of that with Kylo Ren and all that. Ryan understands star Wars on the level of star Wars is the myth that star Wars is going back to. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, cause he, you, there's a, there's an episode eight that I think is much easier, which is I've been out here searching for a way to come back Ray. And then, you know, Ray gets him back in the game and then they're training master apprentice. Like he could have done, you know, Ryan could have done that stuff, but Ryan is saying, yes, star Wars is all of this. And now we have it back. 
but now it has to face itself. You know, JJ yeah. is, JJ is continuing the cycle, again. kind of like yeah. doing the cycle again. JJ's hugging yeah. Star Wars again, mm -hmm. and Ryan is mm -hmm. pushing Star Wars back and making yeah. it like look at itself. It's like yeah. holding a mirror to Star Wars. You know, they, they they're it's, challenging. It's that scene with Ray. It's that whole scene with Ray in the cave. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. Ryan did that to us as the audience. Yeah, I I, I absolutely agree with that, yeah. and I and you know, and that's the. It's the extension of those themes. And it's easy for people to say like, oh, all Ryan does is subvert your expectations. And it's like, I mean, he does, but <laughs> stories are not there to give you what you want. No. I mean, there if is people interpret them, <clears throat> there's an interpretation factor to it, but they don't have to pander to what you want to see. I yeah. think there was something magical about how JJ did Force Awakens because he kind of brought it back of what we loved and brought it back to looking more real. And I think that's what we needed for Force Awakens. And then The Last Jedi pushes it forward. It, it looks into what Mortis did. It looked into what Ahsoka became. It started to kind of separate itself from, you know, black, white, Jedi, Sith. It, it started mm -hmm. to do that. And, and when you remember, you guys, when we first saw that trailer, it is time for the Jedi to end. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I really thought through everyone's <sighs> spines down it. I mean, I really thought wall. they were gonna go beyond the Jedi and actually do end the Jedi Order and and move forward, which mm -hmm. I think they kind of copped out of it at the end of the film. But yeah. which makes me wonder, though, uh, if like there was much, any how much we can blame uh, JJ really for some of the shortcomings of Episode Nine, and how much it, was it mm -hmm. corporate meddling? Yeah. Uh, and when I say corporate meddling, I don't mean Lucasfilm. I mean Disney. Disney. <laughs> yeah, like you, you, there are things that you can't not have. You know, mm -hmm. like we need Jedi because that's like in the world's lexicon at this point. Like we, yeah, yeah. There, it's an interesting conversation. You know, especially with JJ like coming back for nine and just sure. trying to reconcile. Like I, yeah. I push back on the. He he retconned eight and he ignored all of eight. That's mm -hmm. just no. that's just not it's no, factually. It's not true. It's like, not true. Not, the the entire relationship between Ray and Kylo is a direct continuation of eight. Yes. With you know, mm -hmm. not just with the with the force, but just like with their dynamic and mm -hmm. having Poe and Finn in leadership roles and more committed and all of that stuff. There are things that obviously um drop the ball, like Rose and stuff like that that are that are egregious and i think it's because jj like i said is kind of like addicted to creating things that's why he loves to hop on a show as an executive producer or just do one season like with lost or the pilot or mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he yeah. comes back to star wars and instead of saying let me flesh out rose more he it's creates five new characters yeah it's like i'm starting again from the beginning at the he, last film yeah, when he it's creates supposed to be a conclusion. Janna. he creates yeah. janna mm -hmm. dio zori bliss general pride and I think there's one more that I'm forgetting, but he, and Babu Frick. Babu Frick. Yeah. 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 He, he goes all the way back to, I, I create, I'm going to, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to create five yeah. more yeah. characters you're going to yeah. love. Instead of and fleshing we do out love those, them. They're yes. cool. But, but instead of fleshing out the original characters that are already there and actually yeah. make a conclusion, he yeah. actually did another introduction. Yeah. So it's you know? a, it's a, he's a really interesting guy in that way where it's like, I would almost rather have JJ Abrams, executive producing something like rangers for disney plus and like mm. like i don't want him back for movies but if he's there like 
here's a bunch of money. Let's cast some kick-ass actors, and then I'm yeah. gonna sit back, maybe direct one yeah. episode, and then I'll see you later. Like that's Perfect. what he loves to do. JJ yeah. loves to get things started. He loves to get things started. Like he would be the most amazing person to work for. Like thinking about like the way he must be as a boss, like mm-hmm. having creative meetings and like yeah. coming in and all of that. And these like, ideas and the actors yes. and, and yes. the chemistry and, and everything. Yeah, he is fantastic at getting things started. Yeah. I mean, he is. But he needs to accept, or other people need to accept the fact that he can't conclude things. And that's the thing is that so when it comes to now, apart like, from that, now Trevor Rowe gets kicked off. And so they have mm-hmm. a couple of decisions to make. Like, who do mm-hmm. we get? Do you have I any JJ... thoughts? Sorry to interrupt. Do you have any thoughts on the Trevor Rowe script? Yeah, I don't like it. Interesting. Why not? I, 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 I think that there's good in it for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love Stormtrooper Rebellion as an idea. Mm-hmm. I love the Coruscant being like this fallen city state yeah like mm-hmm. with the the guillotine and like the laser phasma being there and yeah. uh there are things in it that are cool uh i think that the problem with that script is that it doesn't understand the light and the dark as much as i think it thinks it does like mm-hmm. that script ends with ray having to tap into like necessary rage and like becoming something in the middle and like all this stuff which is not what star wars is saying it's saying choose light but don't be hampered down by rules it's not saying go in the middle of of light and dark and like make an in-between choice and the whole thing feels like half measures in a certain way of like like both luke leia obi-wan kenobi and anakin all fail in that script at redeeming ben then why do we have them in the script? You know, what What was the point then of, like, it just feels like it's trying to, that script is trying to excite. Like, it's it's amping it up, you know, mm-hmm. giving Kylo this new weird metal half face mask thing. And yeah. it's it's going like like Ray with a double saber, which would have been cool. But like Ray and, and all that artwork for that movie is wearing the Mark Hamill Oops. black outfit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Why? Because the whole point of the end of Last Jedi was that she was in her gray and then she pushes it away. Mm-hmm. You know, she she closes the door on Kylo, literally. And yeah. so it's Duel of the Fates to me is a, again, it's not horrible, but it, there's just so many things in it that just feel like cool for coolness sake. Mm-hmm. And then it ends and it's like, her na- your name was Ray Solana. And yeah. it's like, what, just so we could combine Solo and Organa? Oh, and I hated the whole um, Ray with Poe thing. Ray with Poe. That made no sense to me, honestly. Yeah, there are things, again, there are things in it that are cool, but it's just, mm-hmm. it is definitely um, trying hard to be badass and not trying mm-hmm. hard to be, like, because again, yeah. for all of Rise of Skywalker's faults, it's not trying to be a badass movie. Like, two of its biggest moments are Ray healing a snake that they find, you know, just being nice. Uh, and then Ray <laughs> just being nice, just being nice. And then Ray and Palpatine, she doesn't even swing at him. Yeah. They don't she actually defends. fight. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. She, he destroys himself, you know, which is such a dark side thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and duel of the fates. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's called duel of the fates because Trevor thought like that, that would be like, Oh, it's a cool callback. But like, why is that the duel of the fates? You know, Filoni explained that, that it's about parents and their kids and wanting what's best. And so that script was just like, 
I'm glad that it wasn't Trevor, to be quite honest, because I think the Jurassic World is the worst version of Force Awakens. Like Jurassic well, World, it, Jurassic World is doing that. Yeah. yeah, it's doing that for Jurassic Park. But not what as did well you as think that, of Earth. like what George Lucas would have wanted to do with it, with Darth Maul being your final bad guy? And that's Darth the Maul weird thing, Darth right? Is that like <laughs> the weird thing about George is that depending on where you talk to him, <laughs> he has there a are different. different he has a different story. Because yeah. mm-hmm. so like that book came out, the prequel archives mm-hmm. that says yeah. it was going to be Maul and Talon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. as your two villains he had to have given that quote between 99 and 2005 because i think that's that's what the book covers is the prequel era mm-hmm. now well i think i haven't i have the book but it's back in chicago so i haven't been able to read it but oh, i that's think a, that's a new quote about back then it might it might have been like a new interview that paul duncan mm-hmm. uh, did with george while he was prepping for this book okay i'm not okay. sure though yeah. yeah either way either way a other way it had to have been referencing plans that were then of some mm-hmm. kind because when you when you ask george we know that old luke would have been a thing female jedi would have been a thing mm-hmm. and he gives this mall talon plan which apparently was a big enough plan that there were meetings like it wasn't just an About idea okay. like apparently mm-hmm. he came into lucasfilm with like the mall and talon like maquette statues and like put them together like there's that whole story um, but he also gave that interview where he said that his sequel trilogy would have been about the microbiological world of the force yep. and the yep. wills and the midichlorians. Oh, really? So it's he was like, gonna go into yeah, oh, yeah. He said, he, said he would have, he would have tripled uh, down on that. I, 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 I will have watched it. He would just go down into the Oh my God. But it would have been the, or the no now, of the M force. Counts. M M counts. Counts. Just say it, Favreau, just say it. Yeah. So, uh, just say so it's it. like, just, just own it. Would it have been a, a trilogy about old Luke and his young Jedi girl Padawan, <laughs> and then Luke dies, and then Leia becomes the master, and they go into the microbiological world of the Force to fight Darth Maul? Sounds okay. interesting. That's, that's what happens when you explain all of it at once. <laughs> that, that, damn, that, that's one of yeah. those reasons that I don't take George Lucas too seriously. Yeah, because I take, his mind I take the times, man I seriously, yeah. but what he says yeah. changes yeah. all the time. Oh yeah, exactly. because then he, then Mark Hamill said that George told him that Luke doesn't die until the end of nine. Exactly. That he makes yep. it through the trilogy and then dies. So it's the like time he said it was going to be how many movies? Twelve movies or something. Twelve movies. And Boba Fett was also, the main villain of the second trilogy. That quote like, about oh. that quote, yeah. Even if it's a new interview, I just thought of it has to have been referencing plans of that time. Because then 2008, 2009 rolls around and he tells Dave, you're bringing him back in Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. So at that point, he might have okay. been like, oh, I still want to use Maybe, them all. I'll just put him in a cartoon. Like, yeah. So it's like. <laughs> Keep him alive, see what happens, but then yeah. kill him in the cartoon so it's again. Like, I love George Lucas. I would but take he, a bullet. But he only dies in the cartoon after George, though. Exactly. Fine. But this man is like, the amount of ideas and plans that he's had. I know. So it's like I think, he, I think some of the things he says is just to troll people, frankly. I guess. So going back to other directors, Rogue One, we still Rogue One, Solo, Mr. Gareth Edwards, kinda, kinda. I mean, how much for really, the most part? For the most part, I think the only things that he and how and like wasn't he involved in those uh, reshoots? I'm not yeah, actually he, sure. He, like, he still gets credit. Like he played ball. Like he was like. 
a good company, you know, guy when that all went down. But Gareth Edwards, like with the assist from Tony Gilroy, who's yeah. now running the uh, Cassie and Andor show, Andor. Um, oh. But yeah, so he, I think that what Gareth Edwards does really well is the enormity of Star Wars. Mm. Like the Death Star, the Star Destroyers, Jedi, Scare, like that all, the Scarif Shield Gate, like, it feels the shield just gate was fantastic yeah massive. Mm-hmm. you know second it, best space battle since Return of the yeah Day. like it that whole um movie is it just feels like you finally understand like the breadth of the war mm-hmm. yeah well the other thing i think that was that i really appreciated about gareth with rogue one that they're doing now with uh, mandalorian is bringing in genre into star wars because you know all the main saga films or you know the space opera fantasy trope and now with rogue one you got that war film the heist film right type of thing where like it's more or less what the russos did with with winter soldier by bringing in the crime thriller aspect to comic book heroes so like injecting injecting new genres into like a, a, a type of movie that has you know worn out not worn out it's welcome but you know worn out the genre that it's been in the sandbox that it's been playing on. So it, it was a breath of fresh air to see like that violence, inherent violence of war, you know, the war of Star Wars finally in a movie and see like regular troopers because, you know, none of our main heroes in Rogue One are Jedi or mm-hmm. like these epic, epic heroes like they are in the in the main saga films. There's like regular grunts just yeah. trying, to, trying to do a job for the rebellion. And see the grit that you know they're they're engulfed in. I think was. And we know they all die too, which I mean, at least for us fans, because a lot of people that don't watch (laughs) it have no idea what it is. But us people that go into it as soon as it's for one, oh yeah, I kind of don't want to get attached to anybody because I know they're gonna all die. But the movie still manages to get you attached to all those characters. Yeah. Regardless of the fact, and then I still cry when they die, even though I knew it was coming. They, they, they all die in point in ways, right? They all like right. have a death that affects the plot and each other. So it's not just like a gratuitous death, like from oh, a no. horror I mean, movie. You know, yeah, it's no. just like picking mm-hmm. off people because yeah. right. we have to go to the final girl, like in any no. normal '80s movie horror film. It's no. has gravitas. They really made yeah. you understand that everything yeah. that was happening was in service of the original trilogy in yeah. terms of like those events. Like now, I watch. New Hope, and I watch Luke doing the trench run, and I think about Galen, and I think mm-hmm. about Jen, and I think about you know everyone that had to die to get there. And I, I yeah. you hear Obi Wan talk about the Force, and you think about Chirrut, and like how even though he couldn't use it, yeah, he believed in it, yeah, mm-hmm. and he could, he could feel it, even if he couldn't actually like shape it and you know push mm-hmm. and pull and all that stuff. So it, it offered like a unique perspective. Yes, and it's it's not my favorite of the new ones. I think out of the five new Star Wars movies, it's my least favorite, but mm-hmm. it's still like good. Really? Yeah, one. there's like a there's something about Rogue One where there's like a, there's a twinkle in the eye that isn't really there for me. Uh-huh. Where I think it's because it's the least fantasy of the new ones, and maybe that's like that's really my flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, that I there's just something about it like that, especially that that first half that doesn't fully land for me 
um, even though it's good. Like I'll watch Rogue yeah. One sometimes, even randomly, even though it's my least mm-hmm. favorite. But you know, like it has. There was a myth element of it that was lacking for you. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Where I just feel like it was hard for me to connect with everyone in it, like Chirrut and Cassian. I was like all about. Whereas like Jin and and Bays and Bodhi, it took me a little bit longer to come around on. Even though I I really did like Krennic, so it's it's Krennic's like a, a mixed movie for me. But but ultimately still like a great universe movie, especially if when you were also watching Rebels like as it was coming out. You know, yeah. Really too. Yeah. Well, it's such refreshing to yeah, I mean, because it was the first spinoff film, right? So yeah. It was so refreshing to see what Star Wars can be when it's not tethered to the main saga and it was it, like you said like because you had like all this new content with the rebels and now that movie was like oh my god finally the world is starting to be bigger than you know than just the skywalkers yeah yeah but interesting that, for me rogue one is like you know it's like it's like you know it's gravy it's a chef's kiss because uh, i don't know i felt i felt more or less that same way, Alden, that you mentioned with Rogue One, but with Solo. For me, Solo, and and not because of Ron Howard, which we'll discuss, obviously, but I don't know. Solo just didn't do it for me. Or are you going to say, Mo, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Oh. <laughs> you uh, forgot where you were saying, Mo. I, I forgot what I was saying, so yes. <laughs> uh, so, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, but, but, but I think to... Alden's point that Rogue One, everything feels like, oh, yes, we're in space. Everything is like out of proportion. Everything is like, and you feel the gravitas of like everything that's leading into, we all, we all know it's going to lead into A New Hope. So it's, to me, it's always interesting. How do you manage the expectations of a film? Mm-hmm. You already know its end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's what it does kind of well. Like, it just gives the elements for you to get excited again to rewatch Any Hope. And I think that's mm-hmm. where the magic is. Like, I, I, to this day, every time I finish watching Rogue One, my first thought is like, I just want to watch Any Hope. Yeah. It, it just, it just it leads like, you into may, it. Yeah. I think I think maybe it's like that backstory that leads you into the myth. Like mm-hmm. now you mm-hmm. want to understand, like, oh wait, I have like all of this going on. What's what's the myth? What's what's pull why am I being pulled into this? And mm-hmm. then you also have that awesome scene at the end with Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah. The the Darth Vader hallway scene is something else. Yeah. It definitely is. It's great. And it hits yeah. even harder now that we've seen the light side version, yeah. you know. <laughs> This is something that's just again pet peeve. Every time like people put the both pictures saying like like my father before me, I'm like, no, that's no the opposite. That's the opposite yeah. of what you should get from those scenes because they are opposite scenes. Yeah, they look cool because it's both people like mm-hmm. always, but they're not like he was before him. He's the opposite of what he was then. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, I just have to get that out because every time I see this, it's like, no, you're missing the point. Yeah. It's not about pew pews yeah. and lightsabers in a hallway. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. It's about the meaning of light and dark. Yeah. It's about who they defense. Are. Like yeah. Vader was slaughtering innocents. Luke yeah. was Luke was only in that hallway being a badass mm-hmm. because a child asked for help. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
and, and he's he was destroying uh, droids yes, that were exactly. repurposed for evil purposes. Who yeah. knows what went exactly into that construction? Because they kind of hint at the fact that a lot of people were murdered in yeah. that process because they had yep. to remove the humanity from those droids. Exactly, and trying to, and, and the droids are trying to <laughs> oppress yeah. and destroy while yeah. the rebels in the hallway mm -hmm. were trying to escape and liberate. And they are screaming. Yeah. In for help. I mean, as they in, should, as they should. As they should, because yes, it is Darth Vader. Amazing. Yes. <laughs> yes. But anyway, uh, but going then into to kind of wrap up, I think today's conversation because I think we're going. I think long, we've had a, a good and healthy convo. Now the final of the theatrical uh, directors, Ron Howard, and who infamously replaced. Uh, I always forget their name. Uh, Phil Lord. Uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Are they? Or I always think that they're siblings. For some no, reason, no, they're not. I always think I forget how like they the became buds. Or maybe through college or something. But yeah, they were uh, with a little bit of Star Wars background too. They were, I think, they were interns or something during the special mm -hmm. editions, something like that. One of them was a stormtrooper in the special editions. I did not know that. Interesting. Yeah. So, so what did you think about Solo then? Me? Yes, yeah. Alden. Uh, I have the I have the inverse again, where I love Solo. <laughs> Damn. Where I I will pick Solo over Rogue One. A hundred times out of a hundred. Really? Why? Yeah. Explain, please. I, I have really my issues with Solo. I oh. know a lot of people do, and mm -hmm. I get it. Solo, mm -hmm. to me, mm -hmm. and this might have to be the, the thread at some point soon, um, the next thread. <laughs> the new Solo one. Uh, is, uh, Solo is the most romantic Star Wars movie. Mm -hmm. Solo is the twinkle in the eye that, for me, wasn't in Rogue One. Solo is all was fleshed out in this one. It, yeah where it's like where where it yes it's hitting a bunch of stuff you know it's hitting your how do you get the blaster how do you get the ship how do you meet chewie how did he it's doing a lot of how did he you know mm -hmm. especially with the last name but <laughs> the yeah. the idea of han as a cynic in a new hope every cynic is a disappointed idealist so it for me it wasn't a story of like what is this young man like as a young rascal or like a young badass? I mm. like that he was a goof who was in love because I think that, that that is the natural point that you end up with a guy who thinks he's a badass because people mm. misremember Han as being cool. He's not cool. He was always a goof. He's always a goof. And, yeah. but he dressed it up with an air of cool, mm -hmm. like, you know, sorry about the mess, you know, flips the, the credit and like yeah. kills Greedo and all that stuff. Like, you know, the asteroid field, like, yeah, he could navigate the asteroid field, but the ship was falling apart the whole time. Like mm -hmm. you're a horrible mechanic, you know, <laughs> Chewbacca is holding this together. Like, <laughs> so all of that spirit is there in the movie where knowing Kira and what she meant to him really connected me to his decision in new hope to come back for his friends because it's a decade later mm -hmm. we see that it must have bothered him so much that he couldn't make it work here and the fact that in force awakens old han is telling you know ray that oh I'll, you know i'll give you a job i'm thinking about bringing on a second mate you know for the mm -hmm. falcon and she says no i have to get back to jakku now that we know that all he wanted was to get back to Corellia. You know, so him and Kira could have their, you know, th their dream or their ship and everything. It starts to fit into the overall a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's like so many love stories at play that are so like classic and George. It's like 
two teenagers, very American graffiti. You know, we don't really understand mm-hmm. the world, but we think we've got it. Fast cars, you know, pickpockets and stuff. Very Greece, very American graffiti. Very and the fact that Ron Howard you know, was in America. Ron Howard brings that as well. And then it's you know a boy in his car, you know, with the Falcon, like love at first sight. That's the most love at first sight thing that Star Wars has ever done. Is when he yeah. looks up and you know they just let it breathe when he's walking through the clean hallways and everything. And then it's it's then it's a buddy romance, you know, between him and Chewbacca, and how they find that common ground that. Chewie doesn't stay with him out of a life debt like he did in Legends. It's not that he has to. He chooses to because he sees that this kid has so much heart. And my last thing about it is that it is like 500 days of summer, but for Star Wars. <laughs> like He keeps telling Kira when they reunite that he's so glad he found her and they're making out in the closet and like this could be like it used to be and like we're going to get our ship and this is what we always dreamed of. And she keeps telling him, I've changed, I've changed, I've changed, I've changed. You don't get it. Things are different now. I've seen things. I've done things. Like she, you can tell that she's matured so much in three yeah. years and he wants things to be the, the, the romanticized. Same. The same. Yeah. Of how things could, you know, and, and that to me, that crushing blow of the star Wars movie that ends the smallest, it ends in an office. It ends yeah. in a fight in an office and then on a beach you know, and that brokenheartedness of when she leaves wakes him up to the fact that people will disappoint you, which Beckett had told him. And it just informs that character so much where now I look at force awakens again, force awakens. And when he says, you know, she goes, you know, so, so you are Han Solo. And he goes, I used to be mm. knowing that he created that and that, Someone tried to use that as a joke on him when he was a kid, like Han Solo. Like, yes, it's mm-hmm. silly, and it is totally a, a movie studio saying, we want to see how he got the name, totally. But in the story, it's all good outlaws, like Billy the Kid, you know, and, you know, Jesse James, like all those guys, they got these nicknames put on them. So the fact that now as an old man, he says, I used to be like, he doesn't, like he feels like, he didn't earn, you know, the coolness that he tried so hard to create, the mystique. I think about that kid version of him so much now when I watch that, that they connect so well. And that that's basically my whole solo rant is just how, like, that movie is so, 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 like, American teenager. <laughs> uh, it's like ever that whole movie is him looking at the twin sons, the entire thing. And just how much of, uh, you know, the type of life that, that he commits to and like what that will do to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I it's interesting. have to rewatch Solo. <laughs> I guess. It's interesting, though, because it's not, it's not that I disagree with anything you've said, because I definitely see everything uh, that you mentioned, like in that movie. But for me, the issue with, with the movie itself is that all of those things are there, but based on the amount of things that happen and all those plots that you're uh, bringing up, it somehow feels like the, the movie would have uh, been in better service to itself if it had been like a limited series. Or like a six episode a sh- thing. Oh, or totally a show not. or something. Yeah, because, I, don't, I don't disagree. Because I remember when I was watching the movie, I was really excited, especially like at, during the first 
quarter of the movie when they're just in Corellia. Because I'm like, oh, we finally get to see Han in Corellia and how yeah. he develops into being Han Solo. And I didn't expect Han Solo to be Han Solo in one movie. I expected to be part of Han Solo in the one movie. And maybe that first movie would have just covered, you know, uh, him in Corellia and maybe being an Imperial and his defection and all that stuff. I didn't really expect the greatest hits <clears throat> of all, everything that yeah. Of yeah. everything that he mentioned in the OT. He Kessel did it in his first, and, uh, everything he everything is famous in one, for yeah. in one adventure. The in only thing that one. they like had the, the the only thing that they felt was okay to hold back was like Boba Fett and John. <laughs> basically, exactly. that's the sequel though. Uh, so that's kind of like for me why the movie didn't. And it's not that I don't like the movie. I I, I do like it. Uh, so I think there's a lot of really good elements into, it, especially with Beckett and his and his crew. I think that those whole dynamics were really good. Yeah. But the fact that like they stuffed the movie with so much plot of. Like you said, greatest like, hits. So, yeah. yeah. How, the, what about this? You know that you were mentioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make make the movie Lando animals. and the whole yeah. And the, yeah. like triple all in one. Stuff. Like yeah, yeah. It's a lot. It's it's totally totally a packed mm-hmm. thing, and and I completely get that too. Um, and even with Rogue One, like like you're saying, like even with it being one that I'm not like huge on, I still love the movie. Like yeah. I'm still, I'm still, it's star Wars. So I love it. You know, I, I think about Leslie Headland, you know, gave that interview where she was talking about how people ask her now, especially now that she's running a star Wars show, they ask her like, what's your favorite star Wars movie? She says, I don't have a favorite star Wars movie. She goes, I love star Wars. She goes, yeah. it's, 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 there is only star Wars. Yeah. So at the end of the day, there is that. That's true. And I feel like as you go through life and, and different experiences affect you in different ways, you start seeing the films in different ways as well. So your favorites kind mm-hmm. of change and, and you see them in different ways and they add something different every time to watch it, in my opinion. I think that's one of the best things about Star Wars. It's like, depending on what time in your life you watch them, they add a little extra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that's the power of myth. That's... And that's the power of myth. That, that's the difference because... Star Wars is not sci-fi. It's yeah. myth set in space. And that's what I think that Ron Howard brought to it that was really cool, mm-hmm. you know, tying in with American Graffiti and all that. Yeah. Is that his approach was he isn't like, I mean, not that J.J. Abrams is like a young man. You know, I think he's mm-hmm. closer to 50 nowadays. Yeah. But, you know, him and Ryan, you know, being more of the middle age, Ron is older, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's of the George generation. He has mm-hmm. that that seasoned like journeyman way of like, how do I remember youth? You know, like you could have packaged solo for me as Han telling this story in a bar and, and just slapped that on the front, slapped it on the end. And it, it would have had that flavor that, that Ron sort of brings it, he brings to it where that's you no, know, that, that Corellia car chase is just like, so George Lucas and the beach standoff with Enfys nest um, and, and all of that stuff about, Enfys being the first rebel and not even realizing that she was the first rebel, yeah. you know, cause she's defending, you know, that planet and yeah. the train heist and just all of that stuff is like a Western, but it's also like a, a, a high school movie, like yeah, the Kessel heist run. film too. Yeah. yeah the heist yeah. film, like the Kessel run feels so much like, you know, we got to get home. You know, the Kessel run feels to me like Ferris Bueller running home, you know, to, <laughs> to get like, yeah. you know, home before his parents do. Yeah. Like, 
it sort of I has don't get that, in trouble. that small vibe. Yeah. Don Hughes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to see more Star Wars stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I would love to see a Star Wars film even smaller than Solo. Like one that's like, we have to get from one end of like a, a city on Coruscant to the other or something like that. I mean, I think that's why Disney Plus is such a exciting platform for all of this yep. Star Wars content because it you allows can explore things like that. Mm-hmm. It's like instead of having like back when we were growing up, the Disney Channel original movies, every 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 first Friday of the month or whatever mm-hmm. it was, you get the Disney Plus original movie and it's the those smaller Star Wars films instead of Brink, Rally Cat Strike or something like that. It's yeah. the same thing something but Star, Star Wars. Wars Star mm-hmm. Wars universe. Yep. And I and I think that's one of the cool things now with the High Republic coming out. Especially with all the slate of books that they have, uh, there's you know books for different uh, consumption levels, right? There's the Char Soul, Light of the Jedi, where quote unquote adults, then the Claudia Gray young adult books. Uh, Justina Ireland is doing like for the younger readers, I think, if I'm not mistaken, and then Kevin Scott doing the regular comic book run on Marvel. Yeah. And Daniel Jose Older doing the young readers comic version. So it's again, you know, expanding that universe for different scales and different uh, demographics. So it's definitely exciting, exciting time to move forward in Star Wars into twenty twenty one. Absolutely. So I think with this, we are probably done because we've been going on for a while. I'm, I'm as sorry. As we make you talk so long, Alden. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, we're gonna have to you turn like to this talk. into a trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> and game. Try it. Game. But the, but the third one's gonna be is gonna be the weird. It's gonna be super weird. Oh, the yeah. weird one. Like the the all of us on that uh glowing pirate ship in Seoul. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, that we needs have to, to be right. the next one. We have yeah, to a combination of that with like Ragnarok and like just going yeah. all weird. Super colors. We should put like a color filter over the cameras and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. and be all all the background <laughs> of Wonder Woman, like the background. Some and rock and roll. All... I'll take like red paint and do like two like four and then the Dude, arena and everything and like like, like yeah, Zeppelin yeah. and Pink Floyd <laughs> and just Bowie. Bowie. Yeah, I'm game. Okay. Show oh, your shirt. That's... You have the Bowie shirt. I get the, I get the, all the I cry still for Bowie. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's not dead. He's in space. So he'll he's be in, in a Star Wars movie soon. He's hanging he out home. with Freddie Mercury up there in space. Yeah. Yep. And Prince. Yeah. And Prince. Oh. I'm game. Yeah. So we have to go all purple rain weird yes. for the last episode of the trilogy. Yeah. We have to find the weirdest things in Star Wars and comment on those. I yes. feel like that will be a good episode. The weirdest things? Episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm do some research. We shall do some research. Well, anyway, Alden, thank you so much for coming back on. Yes. Yeah. And it sounds like there will be a trilogy episode. Yeah, I'll, whenever you guys will have me in your in your new year, I am game. <laughs> 2021 is going to be good. I can yeah. feel and, it. Yes. And whenever you want to join, you're the fourth Puerto Rican. We can be a quad Whatever what, you want. Whatever like. four triad is that. I think it's uh, a quad. 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 A quad. A yeah. quadrilogy, a quad. Quadrology, quadrilogy. Quatro. Quadrant. Quadrant. If we don't find the word, we'll make up a word. Uh, exactly. Los cuatro. Exactly. Los cuatro de Star Wars. <laughs> Who knows? Could be a thing. Hey, spin-offs are a thing now. The spin-offs yeah, are a thing. I love it. Uh, but anyway, again, 
Alden, where can we find you? Yeah, so you guys can find me talking Star Wars on my Star Wars uh, interview podcast, Octo Radio. Uh, that's on everywhere your podcasts are found, all the platforms, Apple, Spotify, all that good stuff. A-H-C-H-T-O Radio. Uh, there's going to be a couple new shows on that same feed coming up in 2021. So if you're already an Octo Radio subscriber, this is all free. We're just branching it out. So there's going to be a couple um, new shows, a couple new voices that either pop up with me or that uh, I will be like presenting, like Octo Radio Presents. And then mm. we'll expand that out a little bit. And then also uh, starting in January, although you're hearing this, so it might be January already. Um, it's going to be we'll uh, the- No one knows. <laughs> we don't know. It's rolling the dice. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be uh, a new show hosted by myself and Nikki Kumar and Reed Devaney uh, from the Imperial Senate podcast and uh, CO Bibbles, uh, Babble Bubble, other Star Wars shows. Um, our show now is going to be called the One and Done Film Club. So basically, uh, the way it works is the One and Done Film Club, three of us, will sit there and pick a movie franchise like Star Wars, like Lord of the Rings, like Harry mm -hmm. Potter. And at the beginning of the episode, we will have a discussion and debate and pitch which one installment of that whole series are we, are we going to do a commentary on right then and there. So, so if no we, preparedness. Just, ju just your argument. So if we go in and we have a, a three-way discussion and we figure it out, and by the end of the discussion, we're like, all right, we're watching Attack of the Clones. Then we're going to get the movie up and hit play. And we're talking about Attack of the Clones. And so only one movie gets into the club by the end from all series. We were talking Star Wars, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Mission Impossible, James Bond. One gets in. The Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, James Bond. James Bond's going to be complicated. That's going to be Marvel's complicated. Marvel's going to be hard. Marvel, we're going to break 20. Marvel into phases. Uh, okay. So there's uh, yeah, because if you do all oh, so James of Marvel, Bond, it's so. going to be a problem. James Bond, we so might James do Bond would be like Sean Connery. Uh, I'm yeah. think, well, some of them don't have enough. So I'm thinking that maybe it'll be like the James Bond decades or something. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Sounds like fun. We're going to find a way and, and we're going to start building out the club coming up soon. That sounds Excited. like a lot of fun. That sounds really fun. Yeah. yeah so looking, looking forward definitely to looking forward to that one. Yep. yep. <laughs> well, and for all of our fans, like, subscribe, follow. We're taking a little break for the holidays, but we shall be back. There's a lot of Star Wars content coming and, you know, there's always nerd stuff to talk about. So always. Always. So love you guys. Thank you for coming. May the force be with you. <laughs>